You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. Yeah, healthy, alive, doing well. Uh, ready to get the uh, election over. You know, what is this, a month past now? And, uh, something uh, like that. But, you know, as, as Hillary said, I think this thing's just going to drag out. And uh, and if they just don't give an inch uh, and they are as ruthless as the other side, well, then uh, if Joe Biden, as long as Joe Biden doesn't concede, uh, we'll be fine. I, I think we'll be fine. And ultimately, uh, I think that he will be declared the winner. Isn't that what she said? Yeah. All right. Today, we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of audio clips to play. Uh, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, so today we're going to talk a little bit about the election stuff. And we want to kind of give perspective on what's not being talked about. And nearest we can tell, if you're watching mainstream media in the United States, forget the rest of the world. If you're watching mainstream media in the United States, you probably have not heard any of what we're about to play today. And that is actual testimony. We're going to play actual testimony that's happening in key states like Michigan, like Arizona, like Georgia. Uh, and we're going to also play some clips from people that are giving perspective. We're going to play witness testimony. We're going to play Rudy Giuliani. We're going to play a little bit uh, from a gentleman by the name of John Fredericks. John Fredericks, uh, he's going to talk a little bit about uh, what was or what is happening right now in the state of Georgia. Uh, he was on Steve Bannon's podcast the other day. I have that audio. And he gave great perspective in a couple of minutes on what's going on in the state of Georgia right now with the proceedings down there. And we also have audio from the Secretary of State from the state of Georgia. That's that's fantastic. You wait till you hear what this bum has to say. And we have testimony from a witness that they called in Arizona, a mathematician that decided that they were going to sit down and give perspective on what they thought after looking at the data that's come out of the election results. I don't have the audio from Pennsylvania, though, and I, I wish I would have grabbed that last week. But Pennsylvania has uh, that this is another toss up state and uh, the state legislature that heard the case there. What happened to the um, what happened to the uh, the man that uh, I can't think of what his name is. He's an Air Force colonel. I think he is uh, from the state of Pennsylvania. He's a state senator there. And he uh, you know, who I'm talking about. Yeah, you're not in your head. You know, who I'm talking. About. I can't think of the guy's name right off the top of my head. But right after he said that there is enough evidence here from what Mayor Giuliani had presented, he said right after that, he says there's enough evidence here, more than enough to have us challenge these results and, and to take a look. And what happened to him? His Twitter account was suspended two hours later. So without further ado, uh, I think let's get into this. You want to start with Michigan? Is that I, I guess that's a good place to start, Michigan? Yeah, that's a good place. Okay. Yeah. Start so Michigan, right. Michigan, one of the things that we noticed in Michigan on election night, the next day, well, the, I, I guess not really that night, the next day after, uh, well, that night leading into the next day, because it was happening in the middle of the night. What happened? They were counting the votes in Michigan, in Detroit, at the TCF Center, correct? Bruce, I sent you pictures of what was going on at the TCF Center. I sent you video of what was going on at the, C the yeah. TCF Center. They chained the yeah. door shut. Or, well, let, let me put this into further context. They removed all of the GOP election monitors because of social distancing, of course, be because of social distancing. We, we can't have anyone near each other, right? We can't have anyone closer than six feet. Well, they had to be I think 50 feet in this case, until eventually they kicked them out. They kicked them out altogether. And then what did they do? They chained the door shut. 
They chained the door shut so you couldn't come back in. And if that wasn't bad enough, they then decided that they were going to put up cardboard blinders on the windows of the counts so you couldn't see in. We have videos of it. We can see where they're they're, they're actually they, they were board, they were car- putting cardboard and, and uh, covers up over the windows. You couldn't see what was going on inside. Is that democracy? Is that your democratic process? Is that your election process? Some might think so. I certainly don't. But let's start with witness testimony from Michigan. What actually happened at the TCF Center that night? According to witness testimony, this is a sworn testimony with affidavits in front of the Michigan State Legislature on what they saw. This is where we're going to start on what they saw on election night. Then around um, 4.30 a.m., we had an announcement that a new shipment of ballots were arriving. Now, mind you, I'm just I'm going to pause this real quick. But mind you, actually, you know what? We're just going to restart this. So let's take into account. Let's take into account this before we get started. Let's take into account this. The counts were frozen just after 3.30 a.m., right? So it gave to everybody time. Once they had the press conference, it gave everybody time to go either go home or uh, have their little uh, say their goodbyes and, you know, have a nice evening. We'll see you tomorrow. We're going to get some sleep, yada, yada, yada. And everybody goes home and they go to sleep. Those that were watching on television, well, okay, they're going to stop everything. They'll finish it tomorrow. What'd you do? You turned on Netflix or went to sleep. That's what you did. And this is when it happened. This is when it started to happen. It was 930 in the morning for me. I was having coffee. I was watching exactly what these fools were doing. Because as soon as everyone said that, as soon as that press conference was made, I said, it's going to happen here. It's going to happen here. Within the next hour or two, this is when it's going to happen. You're going to start seeing massive dumps everywhere. And that's exactly what they did. Trump was leading in all of those states, every single one of them. By a large margin. By a very I mean, large it's margin. It's not like, yeah, it's not like, you know, 20,000 here or something like that. No, he yeah. was in no, like, was, Pennsylvania, was for example, it was over 600,000. Yeah. Once they figured out through Dominion, which we're going to talk a little bit about that today, once they figured out what was going on through Dominion, the landslide that was coming was so massive, there was not going to be any way for them to stop it. So they had to freeze the count. They had to figure out what they needed, and then they went from there. So let's start with the testimony from uh, the first witness testimony in the state of Michigan on what happened after they froze the count. Then around um, 4.30 a.m., we had an announcement that a new shipment of ballots were arriving, and these boxes of ballots were brought in by Mr. Baxter himself at 4.30 a.m. from the rear of the room. Um, So I personally, I witnessed Mr. Baxter carrying boxes from the rear of the basement of the TCF Center into the, the, the tables. So each box, I approximate 600 ballots, um, and it was like a full – what you have to know is that these tables, there's about seven tables. They were 10-foot tables each. Every table was full of boxes of ballots. It's not tens of thousands or 20,000s. I approximate 50,000 ballots were brought in. Now, were all of those ballots brought in from the rear entrance to the TCF Center? I don't know. They were brought in from the TCF Center, but they was, there was a lot more than just the ones that were brought in from the, T, the rear entrance to the TCF Center. And I'm talking, this is the 6 a.m. This is when we're starting at 6 a.m., the 4.35 a.m. It was a 50,000 ballots on the table, equal to the two rounds that we did before. We did a round around 10 p.m to about 1 p uh, 1 a.m and then 1 a.m to about 4 a.m and then um this the the boxes were brought in from the rear around 4 30 then they had the shift change from around five to six so with this the shift change most of the the volunteers were were tired at this point they only expected to be there from 10 p.m to 5 a.m so 
90, 90 plus percent of them left at 5 a.m. I decided to stick around. Um, so they had the shift change. At, a, at 6 a.m., Mr. Baxter and his uh, management team got back on the microphone and said, this is what the new, sh- the new shift change, right, the new employees, says this is what democracy is, is supposed to look like. Right in front of everyone, the whole room cheered. Well, I can't say that he's incorrect when he makes that statement, when he's talking about the gentleman who made that statement. This is what democracy looks like. I tend to agree with you, sir. That's what democracy looks like because that's how easy they're able to steal it. Now, like I said, you're not going to find a cheerleading campaign here for any politician. I don't care about those idiots. What I care about is the integrity and free and fair elections. That's what I care about. It's not It's not the fact, and I, and I love these people that say, oh, well, the Constitution's failed. The no, no, that's not what's failed here. What has failed is the federal government as an institution. The underlying principles have not failed. They have abandoned those principles, and that's why those institutions have failed. Same thing with our election integrity process. We have abandoned what elections are supposed to be. We're supposed to have election day, right? Not election week, not election month, but election day. And so why do we accept this? Why do we accept this change? And so now you have people that are coming forward, people that are putting themselves out there. They're signing sworn affidavits. They're giving their names. They're being death threatened. People are threatening to kill their pets, their loved ones, burn their houses to the ground. They get harassed and shamed out in public. But yet they are out there risking their lives, their reputation to stand up for a system that has given them everything they have. If we don't have faith in the system, well, then there's nothing to fight for, is there? This is the problem we're running into in Georgia. So many people are are upset and pissed off. Oh, we're, we're not going to go out and we're not going to vote for the Senate, uh, the two senators. Well, to be honest with you, I'm inclined to agree with you. I, I can't say I disagree with you. I understand. People are pissed. And you know something? I, un- I understand. And this is the this is the thing today. There's there's talk that uh, that Trump wants a list of all the GOP that are not standing up for the integrity of our process here. And you know something? I was saying to you last night offline, Bruce, I said, I want that list too. Before Trump even said that, I said, I want that list. I'm glad all of you GOP, all of you Republicans, forget the Democrats, we already know where they stand. I'm glad all of you Republicans are making yourselves known to we the people. I'm glad you're doing it because it's going to make our jobs a whole hell of a lot easier to identify who you pieces of garbage are going forward. I want the list too. I want to be able to uh, vote those guys out and see um, this. So this is actually something that um, in Georgia, you know, we we have the um, the runoff election coming up in January for Georgia um, and it's two Senate seats. Uh huh. Now, by the way, those are two senators, Loeffler and I can't think of who the hell the other one is. But uh, those two senators haven't said word one about any of this election stuff. Purdue. Yeah, that's it. Haven't said word one about any of this stuff. None of it. They're not taking a stance on it. Well, you damn well better, Senator. Don't forget who you work for here. Yeah, and the, the, the there's kind of a we have people that are claiming to be on the right saying, well, you shouldn't vote for Loeffler and Purdue because they're not standing up for the electoral process. So they're not standing up for Trump and all this kind of stuff, right? So we shouldn't reelect them. I, I agree with the sentiment. However, we're we're in it. We're kind of in a catch twenty two. So. Either we're going to have to have, either we're going to go full-blown Marxist, right? Which means you don't vote for those two, Biden gets in place, and the Democrats have the House, Senate, and, you know, White House. Or you want to retain the Constitution, your freedoms and liberties, in which case you need to vote for those two, just so that 
uh, I believe it's a what is it a a fifty what is it currently fifty forty nine or something like that in the Senate. And then something those like two, very narrow. It doesn't matter. They get two. They're going yeah. to get six because they'll expand Puerto Rico. They'll make DC state a state. Well, and then yeah. They'll try for Guam. Yeah. They'll pack the court, and that's the end of it. What exactly. you're seeing, I said this last month. What you're seeing in America, understand what I'm about to say. This is key. This is crucial. What you're seeing in America right now is a Marxist revolution. Make no mistake about that. None. If you doubt that, if you say, oh, well, that can't happen here, you might as well forget with that argument because that was out the window 10 years ago. It's happening. It's happening right here. It's happening right in front of you. Doesn't take a rocket scientist. Doesn't need a magnifying glass. It's out in the open. It's naked. It's plain as day. But we're getting off track here. I do want to talk about Georgia. We're going to get to Georgia, I promise. But I want to stick with uh, Michigan here. This is the second witness. Okay, so this is a woman. Uh, believe she's Indian descent, as in not like American Indian, but Indian as in, you know, the uh, uh, the nation. Uh, believe she's an Indian immigrant I could, by her accent. I'm just I'm pretty sure. But she says that now. Now, listen to this. <laughs> she, she was in she was instructed and she was directed to backdate absentee ballots with a phony date of the day given to her by her supervisor. How on earth is that not election tampering? How, how on earth is that not uh, election fraud? How? Explain that to me. Absentee ballots or or mail-in ballots, they've tried to confuse the two, but this is what they've tried to do. So let's take a listen to her. Yes. Would you say that about 100,000 false documents were created? Yeah, from September 22nd till, I would say, till September 30th. Yeah, about 10 days. I mean, I was there till October 2nd. And you estimated, uh, when we went over this, about 10,000 a day. Yeah, any, anywhere between 10,000 to 15,000. Um, yeah, sometimes we, we, will, we will be able to complete, I even remember, 14,000 packages. Sometimes it's 12,000. So you can just, to be on the safe side, you can say 10,000 per day. That's a good number. And just before we leave this, would your supervisor say this to all of you publicly? In other words, he would say, today... The date we're going to use is this date. whatever. Yes. Yeah. That's the announcement. Words, you had the phony date of the day. Yeah, that's the announcement they will make. Yes. On the floor. Yes. Mind you, these people are testifying before the state legislature under oath. They lie about this. They face prison time. Clarification. I don't think they are under oath. They have they've are they signed not? an affidavit. So affidavit. Well, okay. Are, you forge a court document. You're still go, you're still facing jail time. Right. But the interviews, I think they're doing the interviews in like a hotel, one of the rooms on a, you know, like a conference in a rooms in a hotel. Are you serious? Yeah, I believe so. And they're not under oath uh, for these. Uh, I think that was because I, I, I remember How hearing. Earth, OK, that, hold on that, a minute. Hold on a minute. You call in. You, I, I'm just curious because you're calling in to testify before state legislature. Affidavits are there, which is a legally binding document anyway. Right, right. How are you not under oath to testify before the state legislature? You'd have to be. So not all of them are. Some of them might be because I know, for example, the the woman uh, that was an engineer or an IT for Dominion, I believe she was under oath, but some of the others aren't. So that's kind of the the uh, argument against these cases and um, that I've heard is um, they're, they're not under oath. So this one. This particular one that I'm looking at in Michigan, this this venue here, this is not a hotel. They've got the yeah. whole panel up there and everything. I mean, the official like wood, you know, uh, stands like they have in the Senate and stuff. This is mm -hmm. actually looks mm -hmm. like it's at the Capitol building. OK. 
I, I know some of them were. I just I don't I don't know which ones. Arizona might have been. So yeah, Arizona. Just, yeah, uh, Arizona or Pennsylvania yeah. might have been. But uh, yeah, yeah. this one, yeah. Let's get a take here on one of the uh, uh, the attorneys here next to Giuliani on the uh, uh, the Trump legal team. Let's listen to uh, Jenna Ellis and what she's telling to the Michigan legislators. I appreciate your uh, calling this session, Mr. Chairman, and that we have members that are both Democrats and Republicans here. Uh, but you're all here in your capacity as legislators. And this is not a political question. This is a legal one. When you have uh, what you will see before you as substantial evidence of fraud and corruption in an election, it's your obligation under the United States Constitution to not allow the corruption to continue. And under Article 2, Section 1.2, the state legislators are the entity that our founders specifically vested with the authority to ensure against a corrupt popular vote. Now, again, you hear this testimony from these witnesses. You listen to this legal team that's up there asking these questions and addressing the state legislatures like this. Where is the mainstream media on any of this? If you're the average American out there, you don't know any of this is going on. You've already been told, oh, that's it. Trump's a lame duck and, and Biden's on his way in and he's picking his cabinet and the transition team's working. And and this is what we're going to be looking at going forward. No talk of any of this. None. No talk of any election integrity. No talk of any kind of fraud. Nothing. It's shameful. The, I mean, the mainstream media, th those people are a disgrace. They're a disgrace at this point. Who really takes them seriously? And I mean, Fox News, too. Every last one of them. This is being captured and reported on by independent media, such as OAN, who, by the way, just had their YouTube channel banned, Newsmax TV, NTD. That's who's covering this. That's who's going to be the mainstream media going forward at, on the other side of this. It's not going to be the big corporate news. They're dying. They've got nothing but uh, sheep followers and listeners. That's all they've got. The drug companies. If it wasn't for the drug companies and the telecom providers, they'd be out of business. Their coverage would, or lack uh, thereof is shameful. Sorry, go ahead. I would throw the blaze in there as well, as they're the number. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Actually, they're the number. Uh, they're actually the, they, they hit number, number one in, in the country the other day um, by ratings. Uh, okay. So, yes, okay. they're, they're up there as well. True. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you have the ones that are not actually like they don't do the whole multi-platform stuff. They're not like a giant media company in and of themselves. So you have organizations like Breitbart. They, they do some stuff. Uh, you have uh, what's the other one? Zero Hedge, right? They do some great work. Uh, and yeah, The Federalist and, and a few others. Um, yeah, so they, they do some pretty good work. But this coverage primarily, this is being done, I, all these clips, right? This is all audio. I understand that you as a listener, but these are videos on our end. This is all done with uh, coverage by One American News. But if you listen to the mainstream media, oh, who's One American News? Oh, well, they're this crazy right-wing extremist uh, group that doesn't know what they're talking about. Conspiracy theorists. Conspiracy theorists, yes. Th this is nothing but a bunch of conspiracy theories. I heard audio the other day, somebody was on uh, Fox News, and they said, well, what about the legal proceedings that the Trump legal team is seeking in uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Arizona, Georgia, and all the rest of it? And the so-called <clears throat> expert, I'm doing the air quotes, expert they had up there, he says, oh, these are nothing but, this is crackpot Looney Tune stuff. That's all that is. That's your mainstream news. That right there. Disgrace. Absolute disgrace. I I'm ashamed to call them even. Th those are not Americans. Those are not Americans. Those are, <laughs> I don't know what they are. They're, they're just, they're, they're disgusting pieces of filth. All right. Com, uh, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Yeah. More or less. Um, okay. So let's jump down to, okay. So that was Michigan. Okay. That's what's going on in Michigan. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. So let's jump down to 
Uh, let me see. Do I have anything else on Michigan? Yeah. OK, so I got one more on Michigan here. OK, so same lady who testified that she was told by her supervisor to change the address on the absentee and the mail in ballots. OK, the same lady. She also testified that Michigan poll workers were approached on Election Day by voters who had requested mail in ballots or who didn't request mail in ballots, but got one. So they had the list in there uh, with them as to who got. So you give your name, right? Then they say, OK, well, they had a list there as to who got the mail in ballots. So some people got them and didn't request them. And then some people that requested them didn't get them. So obviously you go to vote in person, right? And that's that's what they that's what the thing with the mail in ballots was all about. Anyway, you had trucks showing up in neighborhoods all across the country, dumping out five, six, seven hundred ballots to neighborhoods and just saying, here you go. Here you go. Fill these out. It doesn't matter. You'd send 10 to one residents, send them to dead dogs, dead cats, dead relatives, all the rest of it. That's what was going on with mail in ballots. They knew that it was going to jam this up and they knew that the fraud was just going to be absolutely off the wall crazy. And that's why they did it. Do you remember back in the first coronavirus relief package? You and I were actually reading the bill. And we were going down through it and we're, we're looking at the stuff saying, why is all this stuff in here for mail-in voting in here? Why, why is all this stuff in there? What is this? And then you read further down the bill, the first coronavirus relief package, which didn't pass, by the way, at least the first draft of it until it was revised. Then as we got further down the bill, we saw, why do they have all of these voting security measures removed? All of it was taken out. Everything was removed. Yeah. Stuff we've had in there for decades is now removed. Why? And then, of course... Why do we have all this stuff in here about the post office? What's the big deal with the post office? They knew that this was going to happen. This is their next move. That was the HEROES Act uh, for those. The HEROES Act. Yes. Yes. Again, same Michigan poll worker who was then approached by people dealing with mail-in ballots. All right. Take a listen to this. The first thing I will do is I will enter the water and you will do a water search. Then then the system will tell you whether the city already mailed the absentee ballot to them or not, whether, is, whether there is an active ballot in the QEF system for that water. So when you do that, you lots of that time uh, you will see uh, a ballot has been already sent to that water, but when they come to you, they, they said, I never requested a ballot. I never received any ballot. I never requested for a ballot. Can I vote now? I'm here. I want to vote now. I said, of course, I mean, I can spoil the ballot. Um, then you can, I can uh, issue another ballot and you can vote. So I have done that many times. Uh, but for the, um, that was, I was instructed to do like that. Isn't democracy wonderful? See, she was instructed to do that. That's democracy, Bruce. That's democracy. So, okay. Let's move over to, uh, let me see. Okay, so you want to do Arizona? All right, Arizona. So let's let's get down to Arizona. What's going on in Arizona? All right, that's what's going on in Michigan. All right, now I'm asking, is there enough testimony there? Is there enough proof that they're putting out there to warrant an audit of any kind of uh, election fraud or anything? Just at least an audit. Is there enough to audit that? Forget the recount, right? Recounts are, are useless because all you're going to do is you're going to recount everything based on what you've already got. The fraud's already in the system. You have to audit. You don't count. You audit. That's what you do. It would have been enough just seeing the the vote that, you know, the 430 dump when there was not supposed to be any anybody counting. Uh, that would have been enough to say, OK, wait, we need to audit this. This is this is uh, not normal. And I was saying last night again offline because, I mean, that's where some of the good conversations happen. You know, I was mm-hmm. saying last night offline to you, I said, if you or I were running for public office in just a small ward somewhere, let's say we were running for just city council seat or something like that. And one of these allegations was thrown at us. 
we'd have microscopes all over us. And, and a lot of people with the, associated with the campaign would probably be looking at jail time. But it happens like this. It's OK. If you have an R behind your name, it would. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. If this had, if this thing. had actually. OK, so uh, now I, I want you to take everything on this this uh, this national election. I want you to reverse it. OK, I want you to reverse it. If the Republicans were responsible for this fraud, all those people should go to jail and they and they deserve to. But reverse the situation. You can't tell me. Let's play party politics for just a second. You can't tell me that the Democrats would not have an army of lawyers and litigations in every single one of these states, turning those states upside down, inside out, every last damn one of them. You can't tell me that. It, it also, to to your point about the media not covering this, with the media being so against the Trump campaign or just Trump in general, why would they not take up this one and prove Trump wrong? Why would they not make coverage of this like crazy and show that, oh, look, there was no voter fraud. They keep telling us over and over there, there's no such thing as voter fraud on this scale. Like it, it, it happens in small numbers and small batches. It's not enough to overthrow an election. They keep telling us that. So if that's the case, why don't you cover it? Why don't you go over this? If you're so sure of yourselves that voter fraud isn't a thing, then I don't know, cover it. Why don't you dig into this? Why don't you look into it? Why don't you discredit this? But they're not doing it. So it leaves me as the viewer. Why? Why are you not? You were you were willing to cover information like, oh, I don't know, the whole Russia hoax, right? The the P tapes, all that, right? They were they were able to they they were more than willing to go over that conspiracy theory and push that for three years straight and spend millions of uh, taxpayer dollars on it. That's all fine. But now when they have this that has actual proof and evidence, like we could go over the evidence and, and, you know, do the audits and, and, and process this and they could prove themselves right. Why are they so scared to dig into this? And where are all the Dominion voting executives? I might add, where's all their representatives? Where's all, which by the way, the head, the former, excuse me, the former head of Smartmatic voting systems, which are associated with Dominion was just appointed to, sorry. It's a subsidy, I believe. Oh yes. By the way, that, that guy, was just appointed as the new head of Open Society Foundations by George Soros himself. I believe his name is like Malik or something like that. Last name's Malik. I'm not sure. Yeah, it sounds familiar. No surprise. Did yeah. a good job. Here, here's your seat. Here's a promotion for you. Yeah. All right. So uh, I want to get down to Arizona, right? So what's going on in Arizona? Again, testimony, witness testimony. So a uh, gentleman by the name of Bobby Pitton, who is a mathematician and an investor advisor representative of Total Clarity Wealth Management. Uh, he was brought in to analyze the data of what was going on with the results in Arizona. OK, if you can't have a mathematician in it and an investment advisor, a data analysis guy on there, well, then it's not much more you can do. So if he's looking at the data, all right, well, what's he finding out? Now, the question posed to him was, would you certify? If you were looking at that data, if you're looking at that data, and he, he's seen all of it, if you're going through this data, if you were the governor, would you certify that? That's the question to him. Would you certify that? Let's hear what he's got to say. So here's where it gets interesting. So I kind of did that, and I'm like, okay, I can I concur with Dr. Shiva that I think voting fraud has been happening in this state and possibly nationwide much longer than the past four years. I'm looking at the data and it looks as though it's going back to at least 2008. If you could just tell us in your um, in the simplest way possible as an expert, what is your opinion as to the validity of the numbers that were certified today by the secretary of state and the governor about this election? 
If I was an executive at a publicly traded company, I would never sign that because I risk jail time and having all my money taken from me in lawsuits. So to answer your question, I would never, ever have certified. I'd rather resign than have certified those results. Again, crazy crackpot conspiracy looney tunes, huh? That's, that seems to be the uh, the marching mantra of the media. Again, why isn't this on any television network? Why? Again, that was covered by NTD News. Great coverage of that. This is also a man testifying in a state where tens of thousands of people showed up in front of the governor's office calling him a traitor in the streets for certifying that vote. They called Arizona very early. I don't even think they had, well, what, they had like 11% of the vote in? And they called Arizona yeah, for Biden? I don't even think they had that much in. It, Fox News was the one that, that uh, called that one early. Bunch of yeah. scum. All right. Um, all right. So that, that was Arizona. Real quick. Um, uh -huh. So the one thing I'm scared, uh, not scared of, but concerned about w w with this election stuff, let's just uh, pause it for a second that uh, what if the news media is right and this is all just a hoax? What do you mean? Um, what, well, a hoax is in the, the voter fraud and everything that these can all these irregularities can be explained scientifically and we can all see the facts on it. And there's nothing to this. Right. Mm -hmm. What okay. if this is nothing more than the Trump campaign rallying the troops, if you will, so that when he initiates Trump TV or Trump News Network or whatever it is, he has that base already kind of riled up in there? Well, you know. to be honest with you, I think the base is already riled up any way you look at it, because people are angry in general. Forget Trump. Trump is a manifestation of that anger. That's all he is. It's not Trump that they want to go after here. You have to understand that. And Trump's been saying that for the last four years. He says, look, it's not me they're after. It's you. It's you, the voter, that they're after. The number one enemy of this great reset is populism. They have to shut this down because they're not going to win any other way. Everything out there, Holly, the fake Hollywood people, the, uh, uh, the sports stars, the social justice groups, the media, the politicians, everybody, the ridiculous, uh, know-nothing, uh, idiot royals, all the rest of them around the world. I don't care who you are, right? The sovereigns, whatever. Yeah, give me a break. We're Americans. We're sovereign. We broke from that. We decided we were going to be our own owners and we weren't going to be owned by people. That's what the American spirit is. And that's what they seek to extinguish is that right there because they can't compete with it. Why do you think it's a zero asset future going forward? Because when you're under someone's control, when you're a slave to the system, well, you can't own anything, can you? Honestly, we're already almost there to zero asset. I, I seen a report today that two thirds of the American populace live paycheck to paycheck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that, the, the key there is it's done by design. Doesn't have to be that way. Doesn't have to be that way. But see, after the war, we went to sleep. We went to sleep. We stopped fighting the corruption. We decided we wanted to go home and we wanted to be left alone. We wanted to build our society. And that's what we did for about 20 years. But as we went to sleep, that corruption crept back in. And now we're to this point. I think had we marched across after we'd finished with the Germans, I think had we marched across and we'd have finished off the Russians, I think we'd be looking at a different world now. If we didn't have the people in charge that were in charge back then, uh, and if we hadn't allowed our corrupt elements, uh, hadn't allowed Mao Zedong to come to power, then we'd be looking at a different world now. Just my opinion. But we're here now and we have to deal with this. Now, let's get to the big state here. All right, let's get to Georgia. Georgia is Georgia's a damn mess. It is a mess. It's disgusting. It's shameful what's going on down there because this is where everything's going to hinge upon. Now, here's what shocked me the most out of Georgia. They are showing open voter fraud. That's why I saved Georgia to last. Open voter fraud. 
out there in the open. They're showing four sections of video, all time stamped, as the person is explaining it to the state legislature. They're explaining this out in the open. You can see it. It's being played at the testimony as to what's actually happening. They're explaining what's going on. You can see what's happening in real time. Well, not real time, obviously, it's tape, but it's the best visual representation we have of election fraud out here in the open. It's undeniable. I mean, doing all the works I all the work I did in courtrooms in and out over the years, this right here, this is what we call a slam dunk. This right here. So I want you to hear how this is laid out, right? Again, sworn affidavit testimony to the Georgia State Legislature on election fraud on what happened on election night. At about eight o'clock in the morning, we're gonna roll this back and show it to you. There you go. So now they're gonna start pulling these ballots out from under this table. This table, the black one, was placed there by the lady with the blonde braids at about 8.22 a.m. in the morning. So she put that table there. So the same person who's staying behind now, the same person who cleared the place out under the pretense that we're going to stop counting, is the person who put the table there at 8.22 in the morning. Yeah, I saw four suitcases come out from underneath the table. Yeah, upper right hand. You see the gentleman in, in the red. Pulling the suitcase. So he just pulled one out. So wh what are these ballots doing there, separate from all the other ballots? And why are they only counting them whenever the place is cleared out with no witnesses? Is the question. So these machines can process about 3,000 ballots an hour. You have multiple, multiple machines there, and they're there for two hours. So you do the math. How many ballots went through those machines in those two hours when there was no one there to supervise, to be present, consistent with your statutes and rules, to supervise the tabulation? We believe that could easily be and probably is certainly beyond the margin of victory in this race. We should also uh, throw in here some of the other allegations is they were running ballots through repeatedly. Uh, with the Dominion systems, they're they're able to basically use the same ballot over and over and over again. Yes. And that's one of the other things about this is those four suitcases. Well, you know, there may only be like 2000 ballots there, you know, but they continually run them over and over again. And that would, you know, that's where you would get the numbers. So, you know, if you had 10 machines running there, I don't know how many machines they had. I, I didn't go in and count when I watched the video. But if you had 10 machines running, she said you could process three an hour or 3,000 an hour, right? Yep. So there which you would go. Put you well over the, which would put you well over the margin of victory if you're one side or the other. Yeah. So uh, this this is um, when you're when you're looking at that many ballots, like, but there's no... Well, there's no large scale yeah, there, fraud. Yeah, there, there's no there's no fraud. There, there's nothing to see here. There's nothing to see here. Let's listen to some more testimony that's coming out of Atlanta at the State House. Again, this is presented. These are the stats that are presented. Now I want you to ask yourself, is there actual voter fraud going on after you hear this, right? Take a listen to this. Two thousand five hundred and six felons voted illegally in Georgia. Sixty-six thousand two hundred and forty-eight underage and therefore Ill ineligible people to illegally register to vote before their 17th birthday when the law requires 17 and a half years old. At least 2,423 individuals to vote who were not listed as registered. 1,043 individuals to cast ballots <clears throat> who had illegally registered to vote using a post office box. 
4,926 individuals voted in Georgia who had registered to vote after their Georgia voter registration date, thereby canceling their Georgia voter registration. 10,315 or more individuals to vote who are deceased by the time of the election. 395 individuals to vote in Georgia who had cast ballots in another state, which is illegal in both states. 15,700 individuals to vote in Georgia who had filed a national change of address with the United States Postal Service prior to November 3rd, 2020. 40,279 individuals to vote who had moved across county lines at least 30 days prior to Election Day and who had failed to properly re-register to vote in their new county after moving, also in violation of Georgia law. The Georgia governor, Brian Kemp, is a disgrace. After listening to this and you certify that vote, you're a disgrace, sir. If I were, and I heard this suggestion the other day, if I were the Georgia voter, you damn right I'd be pissed off. Hell, I'm not a Georgia voter and I'm pissed off when I hear this and I see this. If it were me, if this were going on, let's, let's just say for the sake of argument, this was going on in my home state of Ohio, okay? And this happened in my home state. I think my home state, we got it less than 3% inaccuracies. We did pretty well. But if this had gone down like this, let's say Ohio was the battleground right now instead of Georgia because it's a swing state, or at least it was. According to most analysts, it's no longer a swing state. But let's say for the sake of argument that this was going on in Ohio. If it were me and this were going on and we had two Senate seats up for grabs, which the senators in the state of Ohio are pretty much a joke at this point anyway. Sherrod Brown, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The social? Are you nuts? I would be down there at every damn polling place and I would make sure that we had not only the vote going in for the Senate seats, the right candidates to go into those Senate seats, but I'd also be petitioning to have a recall to every single person going into that voting place to have those bums that are not supporting a free and fair election thrown out of office. That's what I would do. But it's not my state. That was the stuff he listed off there. You just take any one of those things any one of them. And that is enough to do an audit. Any one of them. He listed off a number of things there that we should be having an audit, like immediately, which is Georgia doing an audit now? Or I, just think doing now, a, a I think now they're going to go in because now now they've gone in. I think they've decertified. I think they're going to go in now and they're going to actually do an audit. I don't know. I do have the audio from uh, John Fredericks coming up here in just a minute the other day on the Steve Bannon podcast. And it was uh, it's good audio, uh, which is he's standing right outside uh, the state legislature chambers and he's he's going to explain what's going on. But I want I want you, OK, after all this. OK, so that testimony we played. OK, that's only just a couple of clips, right? Those are some of the best ones. That's only a couple of clips. Again, that coverage done by One American News. Where's the mainstream media? Again, you're not seeing any of this on any mainstream news network. The average person out there has no idea this is happening. None. I want to play the, the Georgia state secretary. And if you don't think this guy, I, mean, I don't know who this guy is. I, I think he's a weasel. I think he's a loser just by the way that he talks and just by the way that he acts and some of his rhetoric. I want you to hear what he has to say. And I want you to tell me if if any of this is um, is baseless. Right. It, it's uh, and that's the question. Is any of what we're playing is any are any of these things baseless allegations? So let's listen to what he has to say. Now, mind you, he's referring to the fact that there's violence coming and it's coming from from Donald Trump people. Look, people are angry and they're not angry about Donald Trump. They're angry about their vote being ignored. That's what they're angry about. They don't care about that at the end of the day. It's not about your guy. It's not about your party. As far as I'm concerned, the Republican Party's finished for 50 years or more. But again, I digress. Secretary of State 
for the state of Georgia, giving a press conference on the state house steps. Let's listen. It has all gone too far. All of it. Joe DeGeneva today asked for Chris Krebs, a patriot who ran CISA, to be shot. A 20-something tech in Gwinnett County today has death threats and a noose put out saying he should be hung for treason because he was transferring a report on batches from an EMS to a county computer so he could read it. It has to stop. Mr. President, you have not condemned these actions or this language. Senators, you have not condemned this language or these actions. This has to stop. We need you to step up, and if you're going to take a position of leadership, show some. Oh, shut up. My boss, Secretary Raffensperger, his address is out there. They have people doing caravans in front of their house. They've had people come onto their property. Trisha, his wife of 40 years, is getting sexualized threats through her cell phone. It has to stop. Then do your job. This is elections. This is the backbone of democracy. And oh. all of you who have not said a damn word are complicit in this. Oh, you're right about that. I can't begin to explain the level of anger I have right now over this. And every American, every Georgian, Republican and Democrat alike should have that same level of anger. Mr. President, it looks like you likely lost the state of Georgia. We're investigating. There's always a possibility. I get it. And you have the rights to go through the courts. What you don't have the ability to do, and you need to step up and say this, is stop inspiring people to commit potential acts of violence. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get shot. Someone's going to get killed. And it's not right. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. We've played at nauseum that clip here of all the people calling for violence in the U.S. over and over and over again over the last few years. And I don't think any of it's been coming from Trump. Believe me, if that guy was calling out for violence, I'd be the first to sit here and denounce it because that's not what you do. You fight these people on their terms in their system. And that's what's happening here. And they're losing it. They're losing it. They're flailing. They're scared to death that they've stolen it. And I don't know what they got on this this scumbag uh, 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 secretary of state, this little worm. He's a Republican, by the way. So, sir, you're damn right people are angry, both Democrat and Republican. You're damn right people are angry. They're not angry at the fact that, uh, that Trump lost here. They're angry at the fact that you stole the election and you're not standing up for it. That's what the anger is about. You're talking about how people need to stand up and show some leadership. Well, do it yourself. You're out there kowtowing to, to whatever in front of the mainstream media. You're a disgrace, along with that governor of yours. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. How do these people sleep at night? That's what I want to know. How on earth do these people sleep? I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't live with myself if I went out there and I, and I, I laid down and promoted an agenda to sell my own nation out to not stand up for the people that I'm supposed to represent, to not stand up for the document I'm sworn to protect from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And this guy has the gall to come out and say it's all gone too far. It has gone too far, but you're standing there supporting it. Losers, spineless, gutless. You want to know why the Republican Party's finished? Because of scum like that right there. That's why the Republican Party's finished. So I'm on, I'm kind of on the fence when it comes to the Republican Party. So I don't want Marxism. I don't want communism. I don't want to go down that, that road, right? But at the same time, I want the Republican Party to metaphorically burn. 
I want the Republican Party raised to the ground because of people like that. I want nothing to do with them because every single time that before my political, you know, as far as I've been politically aware, hell, we had a Republican president institute the Patriot Act. And what has that gotten us? The NDAA. Yeah. 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 Every time that they, they were up for election, they would say, oh, we're going to repeal Obamacare. Oh, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. None of that's happened. They haven't. They would come forward and they would they would propose a bill that would get rid of Obamacare, full well knowing that would get shot down because they didn't control the House and Senate. So they proposed a bill and said, oh, well, we tried. It didn't work. And then when they had control of the House, Senate, and the White House, they could have ramrodded a, a, a bill through to get rid of Obamacare to make bank on the things that they said they would do. They didn't do it. They sat on their they sat on their keisters, not doing anything. So uh, I, I'm done with them personally. Um, there's there's you a select few that 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 I'm that I, I I still support, and even that is shaky after some of the rulings that happened here or some of the things that were passed here recently. And I'm not even sure I can uh, they're fully trustworthy now. Yeah, it's uh it's really sad. It's really sad. But again, sometimes when you have a crisis like this, it pulls back an un uh, how do I put it um. An uncomfortable truth, or as Al Gore would have have it said, an inconvenient truth. I think now we're starting to see where these these Republicans stand, and they don't stand with everything. They don't stand with with the idea of uh, of making America making America great again. Now you can take that for what you want. That's just a simple slogan from one guy, but it's what people can identify with. They see their country going to hell, and they get on board with a message that is going to help bring that back. The average Republican out there, what were they doing? Oh, yeah, make America great again. Yeah, we're going to do this. America first, blah, blah, blah. Now where are they at? They got elected. Now they all talk tail and ran, right? They're telling Trump to eat crow because it's going to go back to business as usual. The good old boys, right? It's going to go back to the way things were. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. I can assure you, because let me explain something. With Trump in office, at least you Republicans had a shield. Guess what? You don't now. Now you're going to have to deal with this directly. Trump was a manifestation to hold us back from you. So guess what? Next election cycle, provided we have one, your sorry asses are going home. Your career in politics are finished. All that time you spent kissing ass to get all the way up there to the top of whatever pathetic office you got. What the hell are you people going to do when you don't have a political career? What are you going to do then? You people can't do anything else. You're losers. You couldn't get half you idiots couldn't get a job serving coffee at a diner at lunchtime. What the hell you think Nancy Pelosi could do if she wasn't the Speaker of the House or a member of Congress, for that matter? What the hell you think AOC could do? Well, we know what she could do. She was at least 10 in bar. Mitch McConnell, what are you going to do? Lindsey Graham, what are you going to do? The guy's walking through the other day, fist bumping Kamala Harris. I'll fist bump him. Disgrace. If you think I'm angry today, I am. I'm on one. Because you start digging through all this stuff and you see these people for, for the scum that they are. It is, it is easy to understand people's anger. I mean, I can only imagine the average person out there that's losing their business, about to lose their home, maybe. I can only imagine where you poor people are at. And I mean that figuratively. I don't mean it literally. I do apologize. That's not what I meant. Let's get to the clip of John Fredericks. Um, again, this is all falling apart in Georgia. It's all falling apart for them. So they need 
to put up this front like this disgusting secretary of state from Georgia. And they know that this is all about to come out. And so let's listen to John Fredericks. Nobody knows how it happened. Nobody was there watching it. This is all caught on video. Basically, Steve, the gig is up now. This whole thing that the Democrats are doing is going to collapse like a house of cards. Now, momentarily, um, we've got another witness who's going to be testifying today who got a hold of a machine in an obscure county in southeast Georgia. Ware County. Gentleman's name is is Garland Favorito. He's about to testify. I was able to read his testimony earlier. He's on in about a half hour. You'll be able to see him. He's got a Dominion machine that they were able to do a forensic study on in Ware County. It's a small county. He's got evidence that this machine, Steve, has flipped the votes. They flipped votes. They flipped 37 votes in Ware County. He's got the evidence from Joe, from Donald J. Trump to Joe Biden. Now, 37 doesn't seem like a lot of votes, but it's a very small county. It represents uh, just un, just over uh, 0.25, actually 0.26 of the total votes cast. Now, isn't it ironic that 0.26 is what yeah. Biden won by? Exactly. This is go my point. Ahead, is that it shows you it can be it, it, it shows you it can be done and that they do do it. That's the yes. importance of this testimony. Yes. It was done. He's going to testify to it. They have the evidence. And of course, the argument is going to be, OK, if you do it in Ware County, you can do it in Augusta County. You can do it in Fulton County. You can do it in Cherokee County or Cobb County. You can do it anywhere. You can do it in Maricopa County in Arizona. You can do it in Detroit. This is the, the this. Uh, Steve, I'm telling you, the dam is breaking. The Democrats don't know what to do. One Democratic senator, uh, Democratic uh, par Nice young parrot, nice young lady. When the video's over, she has a chance to ask a question, and she says, "We've already debunked this. This has already been debunked." And Mayor Julie Giuliani said, "Excuse me, the video came out, was made available yesterday at 11 p.m. It's now noon. That's 13 hours. There's no way you debunk this. But see, that's their talking points. They're reading it off a chart from the DNC. That's all they have." That's always their go to, by the way, is exactly that it is. We've already debunked this. Right. And uh, turns into a talking point, yeah. as you said. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm glad somebody's uh, politician wise is is uh, pushing on this, you know, uh, in the political sphere is pushing this. Uh, well, my my thing is and I, I agree with you, I'm glad that someone's pushing. But here's the thing. That coverage was done by again, by John Fredericks. That was Steve Bannon's podcast done on One America uh, excuse me, not a one America, uh, America's voice. They haven't been banned yet from YouTube. I think they're about to be though. I think that's the third most popular podcast in the world, uh, or it's in the, I'm sorry, it's in the top 30, top 30 podcasts in the world. So America's voice is doing coverage. OAN's doing coverage. Newsmax is doing coverage. NTD's doing coverage. Blaze is doing coverage. The ones on TV aren't doing it. The newspapers aren't doing it. You're the average person out there. You don't know any of this is going on. None of it. You're being told about some third rate hack and oh, there's a vaccine coming. That's it. You know, as it relates to election fraud, and I want to get into something here just on the end uh, because we're we're out of time. I can't believe. Can you believe it's been an hour already? Can you believe that? I, I do not. No. Are you kidding me? Like, that's just that, that's absolutely crazy. I mean, I, I'm in, I'm on kind of a roll today. And I mean, I could just as easily keep on going, which we're probably going to run over here a couple of minutes. But but I want to talk about something here. And and this is quite interesting. And we, we don't know too much about this. We just we know that it happened 
but we don't know the details of it. And I don't think anybody does, except for the people that were there. Dominion voting. Dominion voting machines obviously are are the problem here. And of course, what's going on with Dominion voting? Uh, the, the offices have been cleaned out and you can't get any of these people. Where's all the Dominion uh, people to testify at these uh, these hearings? Where are they? Where are they to defend their systems on the integrity of their systems? Where are they? Where's the subpoenas? Yeah, there are no why subpoenas. Are, why either. aren't they? Where are they? Yeah. I, I'd be hauling every last one of these sorry bastards in there to talk. That's what I'd be doing. And more than that, I would seize the machines and I would audit the machines. That's what I would do. But you can't get anywhere near them. Giuliani's team was sent. Uh, actually, they had a, they had a warrant uh, and they were sent down to uh, to investigate some of those machines and they weren't allowed anywhere near them. They're on private property. They couldn't get anywhere near them. Yeah. But if you have a warrant. They had a warrant to come onto the premises, not to investigate the machines. Uh, uh-huh. They were allowed to look at the machines. That's all they were allowed to do. They weren't allowed to touch the machines. They weren't allowed to uh, power on the machines or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, but that's okay. That's okay. They're, they're, Bruce, it's, it's just, this is democracy. This is transparency. This is, this is how elections work. So Dominion. Okay, what was going on with Dominion? Now, we know that the votes were being tabulated in Frankfurt, Germany. Why? Why were votes in the United States on election night being tabulated in a foreign country? Now, I'm not going to get conspiratorial here. I mean, that's... That's you can leave that up to the mainstream media. That's what they're good for is coming up with, well, supposedly calling out conspiracies when, in fact, the whole everything that they push is exactly that. But I digress. Why were U.S. election results being tabulated in Germany the night of the election? We know the raid by the U.S. Army happened. We've been told that it was a CIA server farm. Other than that, and and we know that there were some servers that were seized. Other than that, that's all we know. That's it. Don't know anything outside of that. Now, it goes to the larger question. You say, okay, well, what does that got to do with this? Well, if you look at the states, and, and this is, again, this is just my mind working, okay? So I'm just, I'm looking at these things logically, and I'm putting this together. But think about this from a logical standpoint. What's happening in a lot of these states, like the, the Democrat states, the Democrat-run states, again, party politics, forget it, but I'm just, I'm pointing out the obvious here. I'm using it because this is what people understand. If you look at the Democrat states, majority of the blue states, for example, Washington, Oregon, California, uh, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, all the rest of them. What's happening in these states? Uh, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania. What's happening in these states? They're locking down, aren't they? Because of COVID. Locking down hard. Huh. Well, it's it's odd because I, I'm in a unique position where I can give perspective on this, whereas not many other people can do this. As a matter of fact, I don't think there's anyone that can. I'm living outside of the United States. I'm just down the road from where that server seizure happened. What's happening over here? Ever since election night, what's happened? Lockdowns. A lot of lockdowns. Lockdowns started two days before the election. Two days later, U.S. Army raids a, uh, raids a building in Frankfurt. Grab some voting servers, huh? Now you say, okay, well, what, what are you, what are you, what are you getting at here? Again, I'm just, I'm just throwing some things out there. Now let's look at something here. We all know that the coronavirus is being used as a political tool, right? We all know that at this point. I, anybody that doesn't see that, I can't help you. I don't, I don't know what to say to you. But let's look at something. Let's look at the relationship between the United States and Germany just by themselves. A lot of times we call this the 51st state because it's so easy for us to go back and forth. We have agreements and tax agreements and trade agreements and diplomatic relations and military relations and all and defense agreements and all the rest of it, right? We've had it since the end of the war. Well, not all of the country because it was split, but since about the uh, the 90s, we've had it, oddly enough. And if you look at the average American, well, we have a lot of relations with the country itself outside of all the things that I mentioned. One in five Americans have German heritage, for example. So there's a deep connection between the two. I would say more so than than many others. No offense to our English counterparts we have on. But here's the interesting thing. If you look at the way that we coexist, Germany has got to be one of the most, and I'm going to take a Barack Obama line here, one of our closest and strongest allies. 
I would say so. Do they punch above their weight? I think they punch above their weight. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I, I know I, from, a, from a military standpoint, I mean, there's a cooperation between the U.S. military and the German Bundeswehr. There has been. I know people that are, I mean, they're out of the Bundeswehr now, but they were in the German army. We would train them in various parts of the United States on our installations to help better train them for other parts of the world where they would be operating. I mean, that's what you do, really right? Similar, we use really similar hardware, like our we tanks do. and whatnot use the we same do. armor plating and so forth. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Apart from the fact that they're our closest ally and our, our strongest in Europe, I might add, but U.S. relations in Germany, if you were to read up on this, they're based on a close and vital relationship as friends, too. Trading partners, allies sharing common institutions, those kinds of things, political, economic, security relationships, right? That's critical to shared responsibility and continued stability, of course. And it's based on extensive people-to-people ties and close coordination at the most senior levels, right? Governments cooperating with each other, diplomats cooperating with each other, intelligence agencies sharing information back and forth, training military branches back and forth, works both ways. We have German soldiers in the United States. We have American soldiers here, share a lot of the same hardware, as you said, Bruce. So let's look at it in the political sphere, right? Germany stands at the center of European affairs, right? They're one of the leaders of the European Union, right? They're also a member of the G7, the G20, and NATO, right? So the U.S., I mean, they, they recognize that the security and the prosperity of the United States and Germany, I mean, they, they kind of depend on each other in a way when you look at it in this context, right? So we kind of work side by side with NATO, within NATO to kind of maintain peace. We have our military deals through them or through each one of those, right? Also, the Joint Readiness Task Force within NATO, right? Germany is a key player in that as well, which most of the NATO money comes from us anyway. So, But the two countries, right, we've extended diplomatic coordination and, and into military coordination. And we use this as a, as a key way to, to drive military cooperation and, and maintaining peacekeeping efforts, right, in different parts of the world, right? That's what we do. We don't provide any developmental assistance to Germany, right? They're, they're independent now. They do their own thing. So they do all of their, their, all their own infrastructure and everything. We gave them a little jump start with the Marshall Plan after the Second World War, but that was in correlation with the British and the French because we couldn't very well, we've, ha- we've had Marty on here talking about it several times, we couldn't very well leave the Germans in the state that we had them after the Second World War. It would have been inhuman. We could, you just can't, you can't do that. So we gave them a jump start. If you knew the amount of hardware, the amount of infrastructure, the amount of supplies, the amount of money that we flew in, and I say flew in, that we flew into West Germany after the war to rebuild, it would make your head spin. The amount of industrial might that the Americans and that the British had at that time was beyond comprehension by today's standards. You see, the Americans and the British and the Allies, we won the Second World War, not because we had more money, but it's because we had the allocation of resources. We had the industrial production side. Could we do that again if we had to? Could we? You're looking at three economical powerhouses in the world today. Three. It used to be the three prior to this were the United States, the UK, and Germany. Those were the three economical powerhouses of the world. The UK has been taken out of the game. Now it's the United States, it's Germany, and it's China. So economic relations, right? You got exports in there. EU member states, if you look at it collectively, Germany's the largest as far as like trading and manufacturing, their manufacturing base. So after China and the United States, Germany is the third largest exporter in the world. And you say, okay, well, you keep going on about this. What's this got to do with election fraud? Believe me, it goes to reason. So every fourth job over here depends on exports, which accounts for for about 47% of Germany's overall GDP. So you kind of need all those good relations, right? Kind of, you have to have those. Otherwise, every fourth job over here would become irrelevant. So if you can't export because people won't do business with you, well, you say, well, why wouldn't people do business with you? I'm getting to that. So let's look at it again. So if you go back to say, I don't know, back when times were good, 2018, you know, back in the day, 
before all this nonsense. Bilateral trade goods and services totaled nearly $252 billion, with exports around $92.4 billion and imports of $160 billion. And then you get into like trade deficits. I'm not going to sit here and bore you with all that stuff. But the U.S. and German Treaty of Friendship, the commerce navigation affords U.S. investors national treatment and provides for the free movement of capital between the United States and Germany. So we have good trade relations. We have good economic relations. It's easy for us, someone like me, to jump back and forth. Taxation of U.S. firms within Germany is governed by protocol to avoid the double tax, right? You don't get double tax if you're here. It's awful nice of them. It's generous, right? We don't have to pay two sets of taxes. You pay the tax in the country you're in. It's awful nice of them. Saves people that come here that have residence here from renouncing our citizenship due to a double tax. So if you look at all these different organizations we're involved in, again, you know, the UN, right? Useless organization, in my opinion. North Atlantic Treaty Organization, again, useless. The Euro-Atlantic Partnership Council, Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe. Again, we hold these jointly. The G20, the G7, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, World Trade Organization. And Germany is also an observer to the Organization of the American States. They're taking the same steps over here. Merkel's governments, they're taking this, they're, her government, they're taking the same steps over here as they're taking in the blue states in the U.S. Now, why? They're saying the same things. It's more than just taking the same steps. They're saying the same rhetoric. Why? Well, if you hold democracy in high regard and you have your populace that, that wants to be confident in your government, well, how's that going to look if you're involved in undermining another country's elections? How's that going to look? You'd be embarrassed. You'd be humiliated. You'd be ashamed. People would call for your resignation. The European Union would fall apart. They don't have German money. Well, then how are they going to hold all this together? What, the French? You got millions of French people all across the country that are ready to pull out of this thing. You got millions of Germans in the streets over here telling you to take your vaccine and cram it. Goes to a bigger issue. You look at the mainstream media today and you ask yourself, where's China? Is anybody asking that? Are you asking yourself that? Where's China? Where is the origin of where this virus came from? Why aren't we hearing about that? You come to Germany. Everything's COVID, 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 coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. Hospitals are overflowing. People are dying. Cases, cases, cases. It's all we're hearing. Same thing's being told in uh, the American mainstream media. Why? You've got to distract the population, tie them up with themselves, and keep the focus off you. That's what it's all about. Now, I don't know how deep this this thing is with this election fraud, and I, to be honest with you, you start digging and, and you start logically putting this stuff together like I just did. You got a lot to lose. Germany's a key player on the world stage, is my point. And you know, they know the current ruling government, they know. They, they know what they're doing. They're committed to this. And so the people have to be as well. They have to be committed to their cause. And I think that they are. You see people out there marching in the streets in, in Germany in these protests. They got Merkel in prison stripes. They got Bill Gates in prison stripes. You've seen the pictures, Bruce. You think people are that stupid? If you undermine another country's elections and you get caught, who the hell's going to do business with you? We've done it as America. I understand, but it's America. You're looking at a coalition here of 27 member states. True. European Union falls apart. You can kiss the Great Reset goodbye. They need it. It's integral. They can't lose it. If the German people wake up and revolt, then this whole mess is going to come down. Just like old Mr. Fredericks there just said, the whole house of cards is going to come down. All of it. And we're going to take this garbage out. We're going to put them out there on the curb like they should be. Now, the average person out there that can hear this that's listening in the United States, you have no idea what's going on over here. And vice versa. The average person over here where I'm at has no idea what's going on in the U.S. Hell, the stuff we played today... The average person doesn't know what's going on in their own country. You talk about foreign interference in an election. I can't see any more evidence than what I've looked at over the last week. And I tell you something, it's not coming from the Russians. We're out of time. So we are going to have to go. 
But thank you for sitting down today, Bruce. I know we ran over today. So for those of you who have not and you'd like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. We love getting all of your likes, your echoes, your comments, and your feedback. You can follow me over there at janderson 3 or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us and you don't want to do it on social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line via email at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow our audience here as much as possible. And we're trying to give perspective on a side of things that you might not get anywhere else. Uh, and believe me, we are trying. We, uh, we put a lot of time in on this. Uh, and, uh, and, and we really give it a lot of thought about what we want to sit down and we want to talk about every day. Uh, and we're thankful that all of you listen. Uh, but if you could pass this along to friends, family, known associates, uh, that would be very helpful. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts with the exception of SoundCloud. Also, if you're rating podcasts, we would ask you to drop over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience. We would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce, thank you for your time tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. Thank you.